MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. Today, the Senate parliamentarian rules in favor of additional budget reconciliation considerations. As predicted, Arkansas lawmakers override Asa Hutchinson's veto of the bill banning treatment for transgender kids. Major League Baseball announces it will hold the All-Star Game in Colorado. Day 7 of testimony, as the Derek Chauvin trial and the murder of George Floyd continues, acting Boston Mayor Kim Janey has announced she will run for full term. And President Biden announces some new vaccine guidelines. I'm A.G. And today I'm joined by Amanda Reeder. Hello. Mandy, how are you? How have you been? I'm doing really well. I just got my second COVID dose today. Yeah, you uh, and Joelle both got your second poke uh, this morning, right? Right before lunch? Yes, very exciting. We are, I almost don't even know what to do with the amount of freedom that is taking place in my brain right now. So I'm just sort of processing it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me too. I got mine yesterday. So another couple weeks, we'll be able to be out and about. And I I don't really see my world changing too drastically, though. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not really a go back to normal so much as just sort of adjust to the now. I'm not I'm really nervous to be in big groups of people still. And I'm still gonna be masked up and being as responsible as I can. But just to be able to hug, you know, our closest friends safely is... That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's 100% effective in preventing severe disease and death mm-hmm. and, and, you know, even symptoms. And, and now the CDC has announced that people with both doses two weeks after cannot carry uh, the 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 virus. And I that makes me feel like I'm glad I feel safe. But I also feel really glad knowing that everyone around me is going to be safe from me as well. Absolutely. And For those of you who uh, were listeners when I was still on the show, I have not seen my family since then, and I can finally go see them now. That's so great. I'm I'm so happy. I know. (laughs) Um, A little bit later today, I'm going to talk to Glenn Kirshner. You know, as you know, he was a 30 plus year homicide federal prosecutor in D.C., and we're going to talk about what his thoughts are on the latest testimony in the Derek Chauvin trial from the murder of George Floyd. Dana will be back tomorrow. She is driving back from Palm Springs today. That's why I am happy to announce that I am joined by Mandy Reedy today. Uh, I'm off Thursday, and we will be having a surprise guest host along with Dana take over the beans on Friday. So you're going to love it. I promise. We do have a lot of news to get to, so let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, the lead story today, the Senate parliamentarian has ruled that Democrats may amend the budget resolution they used for the COVID-19 relief bill and attach another set of reconciliation instructions to it. That's according to two sources familiar with the matter. This ruling is a key step for Democrats as they weigh their options for moving infrastructure forward. This, you know, it's been infrastructure week for three years now. We're finally actually getting to (laughs) it, potentially uh, giving them a route to pass the new legislation without any Republican votes. It's important to note, however, However, some details are still going to have to be worked out with the parliamentarian, and it was not immediately clear whether it could be used to pass the infrastructure plan. It can. Uh, The infrastructure plan, which is the White House's next major legislative push, has garnered quick pushback from Republicans who have argued it's too awesome. 
uh, for them to deal with. No, it's too expensive, <laughs> they say. It encompasses over, overly partisan programs. Um, the immediate clash along party lines has prompted Democrats to explore revisiting the same uh, budget process they employed to pass the COVID relief plan without any Republican support, even before the president formally unveiled his proposal last week. So we were kind of guessing that this was going to happen. But now we have more uh, shots to use budget reconciliation. Usually you can only use it once during a fiscal year and it can carry over to the next fiscal year if it's not used. Uh, we had two to use. We used one for COVID relief. We had one left in this fiscal year, and now we get two more, I believe. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's spokesman told CNN in a statement Monday that the parliamentarian has advised that a revised budget resolution may contain budget reconciliation instructions. Mm. This confirms the leader's interpretation of the Budget Act and allows Democrats additional tools to improve the lives of Americans if Republican obstruction continues. What do they mean if, right? It will. Um, <laughs> while no decisions have been made on legislative path forward using Section 304 and some parameters still need to be worked out, like I said, the parliamentarian's opinion is an important step forward. This key pathway is available to Democrats if needed. That's from a spokesman, Justin Goodman. A Democratic Senate aide familiar with the parliamentarian's ruling told CNN Monday, there's no doubt this was good news, but cautioned there will likely need to be more rulings before Democrats can move forward using budget reconciliation to advance the infrastructure plan. But there's a great deal that needs to be worked out. This was just the opening salvo in what will be a long and complicated process. Now, Democrats used this procedural tool to pass the $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan. Uh, last month, which allows lawmakers to bypass the 60-vote threshold typically required for breaking filibusters and moving legislation forward. And as we've said many times, Mandy, right, it's way easier to get Manchin and Cinema to negotiate with them than it is to negotiate with 10 Republicans because they'll just demolish whatever bill that, you know, that you want to put together. Definitely. Um, the reconciliation process was set up as part of the 1974 Congressional Budget Act to make it faster and easier to pass legislation related to spending, taxes, and debt, because debate on the bills is limited to 20 hours and can be passed just with a simple majority. But Biden has said he would invite Republicans to the Oval Office at the White House, as I said he would. We would have a couple of meetings. He'll listen to their thoughts on his infrastructure proposal. Then he'll probably tell them to go fuck themselves because uh, <laughs> they will say, you know, they'll come back like they did with the COVID plan and be like, we only want $600 billion, not not two trillion and and we don't want any of the other stuff either and uh but you know so in order to i think appease mansion that biden has to make it look like he's trying to negotiate with republicans uh so he'll he'll try even though mitch mcconnell has said we're gonna block it we don't we aren't even gonna vote for it without knowing what's e even in it mcconnell already said he wasn't gonna gonna vote for it so this is called the american jobs plan uh, it would heavily invest in rebuilding the infrastructure, shift to greener energy over the next eight years, and the president plans to pay for this proposal by raising corporate taxes. Uh, the White House says the tax hike would raise more than $2 trillion over the next 15 years, but of course, Senator Joe Manchin doesn't like that. Um, <laughs> he said it can't pass in its current form because he and a handful of other Senate Democrats believe the corporate tax hikes um, are too steep, but they are still lower than under Reagan, lower than under Clinton, lower than under Bush. I mean, there were 21, they were slashed to 21% from 38. And he only wants to raise it another seven points. So it's just ridiculous. Uh, but Manchin doesn't like it. So I'm sure we'll see uh, probably a little, maybe a lower corporate tax rate or some other fancy way to raise the money, maybe a wealth I'm tax. already so sick of hearing Joe Manchin's name, A.G. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, 
this budget reconciliation process, we, we've taken the first step in, in not needing Republicans to, to pass infrastructure. We just have to, like I said, get around mansion and cinema. We can work with that. We can work with that. And, you know, we're not even like we have the we have the, what limited power we do have right now. Let's and we're not even going as hard as we could be. So I say go for it. <laughs> Me too. That's what I say. And if they split this infrastructure bill up into two bills, which they were talking about doing a two trillion and a two trillion for a total of four trillion, um, the and and the second one presumably would would attack climate uh, the climate crisis a little a little more broadly, uh, then we have another budget reconciliation that we can use. Excellent news. Well, thank you for that update. Um, I have some news about the acting uh, mayor of Boston, Kim Janey, who wants to remove the title of acting from her title. So she announced plans uh, Tuesday to run for mayor this fall, becoming the sixth major candidate to formally join the race. In a statement, Janey said it will take longer than a few months as acting mayor to deal with the challenges the city faces from the pandemic and centuries of structural racism. So she is now seeking a full term. I'm ready to lead our city, Janey said in a video released Tuesday morning, declaring her candidacy to listen, to collaborate, to fight this pandemic and the racial and economic inequalities that COVID only worsened. The race already includes three city councilors, um, Andrea Campbell, Anissa Esabai-George, and Michelle Wu, state uh, state representative in position John Santiago, and former Boston Chief of Economic Development John Barros. A nonpartisan preliminary election will be held on September 21st to narrow down the candidates before the two finalists compete in the November 2nd general election. Uh, Janie, who had been president of the Boston City Council, became the city's top executive on March 22nd and the city's first black mayor when Marty Walsh resigned to take the job as U.S. Labor Secretary. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Big news. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I, I absolutely love her mm-hmm. and I think she's wonderful. I think she would do a wonderful job. I hope she wins. Yeah, that would be I, I, that would be super awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's some good news out of Boston, but I have some bad news out of Arkansas. Ooh. As predicted yesterday on the show, Arkansas lawmakers have overridden Governor Asa Hutchinson's veto of HB 1570, a bill which prevents physicians in the state from providing gender confirming procedures to transgender people under 18. The majority Republican state House voted 72 to 25 to approve the controversial bill before sending the legislation back to the state Senate, which rejected the governor's veto of the bill in a 25 to 8 vote. That's according to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Both chambers required a simple majority to override the veto, and they got it. The bill passed overwhelmingly, and Asa Hutchinson even mentioned that during his veto ceremony. He was like, yeah, you probably override this, but uh, hey, I'm vetoing it. His refusal to sign the bill restricting treatment for transgender youth came after he signed a different piece of legislation last month preventing transgender women and girls from participating in K-12 through and collegiate-level sports teams aligned with their gender identity. Um, this is a lot like Christine Nome's rule, uh, where she says that uh, girls have to provide a birth certificate to join a sports team. The American Civil Liberties Union has promised to file a lawsuit in Arkansas preventing the law from being enforced, with ACLU of Arkansas Executive Director Holly Dixon saying the legislators disregarded widespread, overwhelming, and bipartisan opposition to this bill and continued their discriminatory crusade against trans youth. Um, I have many expletives to say about this, but all, 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 mm-hmm. all, <laughs> all I'll say is that um, to me, there is no separation between transphobia and homophobia. So if you think that you can be supportive of one group and not of the other, and it still makes you progressive, you're wrong. <laughs> and um, this is this, this current trans backlash is especially against children is really deeply dangerous and it's going to hurt if not, um, kill people so please 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 
stay informed about um, transgender issues uh, because red states are going to go really hard on this in the next few years. And it's very evident that um, this is this is one of their main targets. So, <sighs> mm-hmm. yeah, and it's a it's a pattern now, you know, like a. Like I mentioned, uh, Christy Noam, it's it's a it's that's what's happening in Republican states. Yes. Is, uh, there's just a lot of these anti-trans bills that are being passed that are just absolutely horrible. And the thing that pissed me off was when Christy Noam was announcing that birth certificates are required for girls to join sports teams. Uh, she's standing behind a podium that says "Defend Title Nine," and I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck you!" You know? Absolutely. The, the way that it's the, the way that feminism is used as some sort of shield for um, transphobic behavior is really disgusting to me. <laughs> yep. But anyways, uh, yes. I what? Do you have any? I'm trying to think if we have a good action for this one. Since I'm here and I'm angry, well, how can we? <laughs> I'm forever the optimist. Um, you know, give money to the ACLU and uh, keep informed on these things and um, support trans youth in your local community. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. All right. Every place has got a great charity that you can that you can donate to for uh, to trans yes. youth organizations. There's tons. There's so many good ones. So many worthy causes. Absolutely. All right. So next up in baseball, uh, we've got Major League Baseball, which, by the way, uh, AG, when everything is happening again this summer in San Diego, let's go to a Padres game. I've never been to one. Oh, 100 percent. We have one of the best ballparks in the country. Uh, at Petco Park downtown. I have never gone. Yeah, we should go. We should do a staycay, right? Because the Omni is attached. Yes. Um, to it, we could stay at the Omni, do the pool, have some mimosas, go to a baseball game. You can even, if you're a guest at the Omni, they give you a tour of the field as well Ooh. at Petco Park if you want one. It's very, it's very fun. It's, it's, it's well worth it. Yeah, I got to go. Three years in San Diego, and I have not gone to a baseball game, so I got to make it happen this year. Everything's opening again. All right, so. Major League Baseball's 2021 All-Star Game will be played in Colorado's Coors Field, the league says, after it canceled plans for Atlanta to host the baseball's midseason centerpiece. Womp womp, Georgia. (laughs) The change came in response to Georgia's controversial new voting law, which the Major League Baseball says is against its values. Mm -hmm. Major League Baseball is grateful to the Rockies, the city of Denver, and the state of Colorado for their support of this summer's All-Star Game. Uh, Baseball Commissioner Robert Manfred Jr. said, Georgia's Republican-led overhaul, which supporters say expands some voters' access to early voting, has been widely criticized as hampering access to absentee voting and disproportionately affecting minority communities. Uh, It sure was. (laughs) The Rockies were seen as a leading contender to host the game because the team was already vying to host an upcoming All-Star game. Uh, Those preparations, Manfred said, helped land the game in Denver. Before the change of plans, the Atlanta Braves were eagerly anticipating the All-Star game as a chance to show off their four-year-old stadium and also to honor Hank Aaron, the legendary Braves hitter who died in January. But those plans were derailed by the controversy over Georgia's new law, which President Biden labeled as Jim Crow in the 21st century. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp recently denounced the MLB move as a figment of cancel culture, saying the league was swayed by activists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and somebody else was like, why are you bringing politics into baseball? It's like, oh, fuck you. Are you kidding? That Black people were banned for half half a century from playing the game. I think it's got its own political stuff that it's dealing with. Um, But yeah, cancel culture. As as he boycotts Coca Cola and AT and T and Delta Airlines and uh, it's just 
breaks his Keurig and burns his Nikes. Uh, I was just going to say, I just watched a really great documentary series on Netflix. If you haven't watched it yet, uh, well, you probably won't learn anything because you're AG. But I, as a Canadian who did not grow up here and didn't know like very specific details about certain parts of the Constitution as much as maybe, you know, an average American would, I learned a lot. It's called Amend and it's hosted by Will Smith and it kind of goes through from the 14th Amendment to now, kind of fighting for the rights of minorities, and in particular, covers a lot about access to voting um, for uh, people of color in the South. And um, as a Canadian, I was like, wow, extremely informative of all of the documentaries I've seen um, about this subject. So if you want to get a little more informed, I highly suggest it. Awesome. Yeah, I will check it out. Uh, I love Will Smith, so right. Um, Yeah, right. I totally... Uh, I've actually been binging old episodes of Fresh Prince myself. That's my spare time these days because I finished Scrubs. I finished Sex in the City again. I finished Cheers again. Like <laughs> I finished 30 Rock and I went through Parks and Rec again. So I'm so glad you can go to the bar again soon. I think maybe you need a break from the TV for a while. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, step away from the television. Okay. <laughs> Um, that's fair enough. Uh, but finally, President Biden announced today all adults will be eligible for the vaccine by April 19th. He says no more rules or groups, no more confusing, you know, your group 1A or 1B. All adults, April 19th. Everybody will be eligible. Yesterday, we crossed 150 million shots in 75 days, the first 75 days of his administration. Over 80 percent of teachers, school staff and child care workers have had one shot at least. And 75 percent of seniors have been vaccinated. That number was 8% when Biden took office. Uh, Biden may have the most, I think, probably mo- most productive first 100 days in office uh, in a really long time. Um, I just can't believe everything he's gotten done in 75 days. Uh, all right. We'll be right back with Glenn Kirshner of Justice Matters to discuss the trial of Derek Chauvin, the murder of George Floyd. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And then on the other side of that, Mandy and I will bring you the good news. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by Jenny Kane, bringing you modern essentials for wardrobe and home. Jenny Kane believes in design, quality, and living well every day. For me, it's unlocked the secret to an elevated home and a gorgeous wardrobe. Very comfy and amazing, simple, clean looks. I love Jenny Kane because it's helped me simplify the way I get dressed. Their curated staples let me look and feel my best no matter my mood or my destination. From wardrobe essentials to beautiful home decor, Jenny Kane has so many amazing pieces. My favorites right now are the marina pullovers and the cashmere cocoon cardigans. They're so cozy. And Jenny Kane also has everything you need to make your house feel like a home and help you design the space of your dreams. Jenny Kane has it all from furniture, pillows, blankets, rugs, kitchen items to clothing and shoes, everything. If you want beautiful, timeless pieces you can turn to on a daily basis to make you look and feel your best, I highly recommend Jenny Kane. Their polished basics and home pieces will never go out of style. So find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com and get 15% off your first order when you use code DAILYBEANS at checkout. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. Everybody, welcome back. I am joined today by former federal prosecutor and MSNBC legal analyst, Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, welcome. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah, I'm good. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's great to see you. I wanted to uh, bring you on today, uh, first of all, to talk a little bit, because I know you worked in homicide for a very long time, and you must have a very uh, unique understanding of what's going on in, in the Derek Chauvin trial for the murder of George Floyd. And I think you kind of see what I see 
Um, and we've already discussed on the show uh, all of last week's witnesses uh, with the, the EMT, which I thought was an incredible witness, the off-duty firefighter, um, and the the bystanders and uh, the, just the, the trauma that they went through, uh, having to witness what went on in front of their eyes. But this week, I haven't talked to anybody about this yet, and then you popped top of my head when I saw police officer after police officer after training lieutenant uh, chief just come in and test tear down that blue wall of silence and testify about what they actually saw and i was wondering what your thoughts were on 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 that day of testimony i thought it was incredible yeah usually it's like pulling teeth trying to get one police officer to testify against another um i did murder cases for 22 of my 30 years as a prosecutor I worked excessive force investigations. I prosecuted police officers. Um, you know, I, I think what is unique about this one is, you know, what we see on video, in my estimation, is actually a first degree murder. And I can talk about why I see premeditation and deliberation. But, you know, I think when the police hierarchy sees one of its own caught on videotape in the harsh light of day in front of all sorts of bystanders. One of the bystanders was a firefighter slash EMS worker who tried to intervene to help George Floyd and basically was, to, to put it mildly, shooed out of the scene by one of the, the officers. Um, there's nothing left for the hierarchy to do but to come in and say, what we saw on that video was contrary to every Minneapolis Police Department policy we have on use of force, on de-escalation, on chokeholds, and on the requirement to give aid to a, a person in distress. And it, it couldn't be more wrong in our estimation. You, you really can't not testify that way. So yes, I am heartened by Lieutenant Zimmerman, the senior most police officer on the Minneapolis police force, who just laid Derek Chauvin out said all of these things blatantly violated MPD policy. Chief Arandando, the chief of police, was an inspirational um, witness and, and person. I mean, he, to me, is what a chief of police, and I wish all police officers would be and could be. You know, he was so thoughtful, so sober, so circumspect, so precise in his testimony. And, you know, he said Derek Chauvin violated MPD policy in not one but four ways, you know, and so, um, and we have more police witnesses today. I do think at some point the defense will have a well placed objection that it's becoming cumulative. What people might not realize is today's witnesses, um, and this was a smart tactical move by the prosecutors. The first few use of force witnesses said these are the police policies. And this is why what I see on videotape that Derek Chauvin and the other officers did to George Floyd violated our policies. If you notice today's witnesses, it was Sergeant Yang and Lieutenant, um, I, I forget his name, um, who testified uh, late morning. They also said these are our use of force policies, but they also added something to the mix that sort of um, was able to, to stave off a defense cumulative objection. Sergeant Yang said, um, Derek Chauvin went through our de-escalation or, or crisis intervention training in 2016. 
And then the lieutenant said, and he went through our use of our use of force training in 2018. Those were important pieces. Why? Because you can prove up to the jury all day long that MPD has certain policies in place, but you also need to prove that Derek Chauvin was trained on those policies. He wasn't out sick, you know, choking out a, a suspect that day. Instead, he attended the training. So, but I think you're not going to see many more police witnesses on use of force. I think we're now going to transition into the forensic pathologists, the medical examiners who perform the autopsy for the for the county, and the defense expert medical examiner, David Fowler, who was one of my star witnesses in homicide trials when I was a prosecutor, because he's just that good. So I actually think we're going to see a battle of the experts on cause of death, and it's going to be a pretty consequential battle, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I'm the only thing I'm a little worried about, and I, I know Arredondo had mentioned this too uh, in his testimony, that uh, when they were talking about drugs and alcohol being a factor in, in use of force training, um, but, you know, he, he countered that with, look, de-escalation is ongoing. You don't decide to, I'm not going to de-escalate here, and then don't think about it again for the rest of the encounter. It has to be a constant reassessment of, of what's going on. I thought that was really powerful testimony. But what do you think? I mean, what what are help us understand the differences uh, between the two experts here? What, one expert is going to say that the that the substantial cause of death was something besides uh, having the knee on the neck. I, I don't know because the defense has announced, given notice of Dr. David Fowler as their expert forensic pathologist. But they're not required to kind of lay out chapter and verse exactly what he's going to say, at least not publicly. There are some notice requirements in the rules. So, um, so Dr. F so first of all, uh, Dr. Baker, the Hennepin County medical examiner who performed the autopsy is going to say, I assume exactly what his autopsy report said. This was cardiac arrest, arrest during police restraint and neck compressions. It is basically an asphyxial death. What, what they did here was they put so much pressure on his torso and his neck in combination while he was in a prone position on his belly, arms handcuffed behind his back, which makes it very difficult, even in, in a perfect world, without pressure on your torso or a knee on your neck, makes it difficult for you to get enough oxygen into your lungs to oxygenate the blood to then deliver it to the rest of your body. Um, Importantly, I can already see the, I don't want to call them the weak spots, but the opportunities in the autopsy report for the defense to exploit. For example, um, Dr. Baker said there were absolutely no injuries to George Floyd's neck externally or internally. Now, I've done a bunch of manual strangulation cases, asphyxial cases, hanging cases, and there is always damage to the neck. We have a very delicate bone here called the hyoid bone. In, men, in most strangulation cases, you're going to see at a minimum a fracture, if not an outright break or multiple breaks to the hyoid bone. You're going to see fractured thyroid cartilage. You're going to see massive bruising. None of that. His neck was, was kind of pristine, according to the autopsy report. What will the defense do with that? They're going to say, you know what, that videotape is deceiving. There was no significant pressure being put on George Floyd's neck 
by Derek Chauvin's knee, because if there was, there would have been at least some minimal injury here. Here's how they're going to counter that. Right. Or, or, uh, I, or petechial hemorrhaging. I don't think he had any petechial hemorrhaging either, but I do. I think we all learned what the hyoid bone was with the Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> situation. I remember. Yeah. When, when Epstein got suicided, yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. So petechial hemorrhaging is just a sort of pinpoint bright red hemorrhages that are are a result of, of an asphyxial death but not every asphyxial death so first of all when you're really strangling somebody people tend to lose consciousness in about 10 seconds and they die within three to five minutes if constant pressure is applied this was not that kind of death but this was still an asphyxial death and what happens is if you put just four pounds of pressure on somebody's neck you actually cut off the blood flow to and from the brain. And that in combination with the chest restraint or the back restraint that was making it impossible for him to get enough oxygen in to oxygenate his blood, it's all of that in combination that led to a longer-term asphyxial death rather than choking somebody out with constant pressure. So, But you're going to see this battle of the expert witnesses back and forth and it's going to be a consequential battle. There was one word that the defense dropped in its opening statement that gave me some insight into what I believe David Fowler, the defense expert, will say at the tail end. He said, you know, what What George Floyd really died from was um, drug drugs in his system coupled with an underlying heart condition or heart disease plus an adrenaline surge. Adrenaline surge is a dead giveaway that they're probably going to go to some form of excited delirium, which just is, if you have this incredible adrenaline surge in your body when you're struggling against restraint, it can literally just cut off the electrical system that keeps your heart beating regularly and you die instantly. I know because I had an excited delirium case, the DC-9 case, which was kind of an infamous case for a lot of reasons. My expert was Dr. David Fowler. So... I can see all these things coming together in the George Floyd case. Wow! Yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be epic. I think to to hear these two different sides in the medical examiner uh, situation. Although I will say, when the ER doctor uh, testified, um, what really a lot of people were were pay, you know really uh, taken aback by his his assessment that it was an asphyxial death. What caught my attention was that every minute that somebody is not rendered aid to, they have lose a 15% chance more of, of not recovering. And he, that was almost four minutes. This was an intentional nine minute execution of an incapacitated uh, suspect, period. And not rendering aid and shooing away the EMS um, took a 50% more likely that he was not going to be able to recover. I have to take a quick break, but I want to ask you about the first degree murder charge that you brought up a little bit earlier. Will you, will you stick, stick around? Sure. Okay, everybody, we'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's AJ from The Daily Beans. Are you tossing and turning at night trying to get comfortable on a mattress that is not designed for your specifications? Well, you deserve better than that. It's time to give yourself an upgrade. And this segment of the pod is brought to you by Helix Sleep. They solve my sleep issues and give me restful nights again. We've all had trouble sleeping from time to time, especially over the last four years, but it turns out my lack of sleep was mostly caused by my mattress. Thankfully, I found Helix Sleep and they fixed it for me. They recognize each of us sleeps differently and they customize the mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. Helix Sleep created an online sleep quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. And they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So if you like a mattress that's plush or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or if you sleep really hot, with Helix, there is a specific mattress for each and everyone's taste. I was matched with the Helix Midnight. I like a bed medium firm and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was actually awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take the two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights, risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to former federal prosecutor. We're homicide forever in D.C., Glenn Kirshner. Uh, I'm... Before uh, the break, a little bit earlier when we were talking, you you said you thought what you've seen on this video, what we've seen in the in the murder of George Floyd is first degree murder. Can you talk a little bit about the difference? We know the difference already between second and third degree. Talk a little bit about the difference between first and second and why you think this rises to meet that criteria and why they didn't charge it. Sure. So, you know, first of all, I've, I've seen a lot of murders on video. I've tried murder cases that were captured on video. The last case I tried before leaving the federal government, I tried it in 2018, multiple murders. One was a 15-year-old boy standing on the Deanwood Metro platform, broad daylight with his mother and his two little sisters the day before Easter on their way to a barber shop to get the young man his Easter haircut. And somebody walked up and shot him at point blank range, caught on multiple Metro cameras. I've seen lots of uh, murders caught on videotape. I've never seen anything that approaches what I saw in the George Floyd end of life video. People think of first degree premeditated murder as, okay, I want to kill my neighbor. I'm going to plot out the route that my neighbor takes home from work every night, what time he gets home. I'm going to lie and wait in the bushes and I'm going to ambush him on his way into the house. And I've been planning this for weeks and months. That's a premeditated murder, but that's not what is required to prove premeditation. Premeditation, every every jurisdiction has its own instruction, but here's how the instructions go in DC. Premeditation is forming a design or a plan in your mind to kill. Premeditation can form as quickly as thought itself. If I see somebody I want to kill and I think, I'm going to get that guy. I, you've just seen me engage in premeditation. Deliberation requires turning, turning it over in the mind, giving it a second thought, and reaching a conclusion to kill. What I've just described is the law of premeditation and deliberation. The, the juries are instructed that they must find beyond a reasonable doubt both premeditation and deliberation. And deliberation requires the passage of time during which somebody turns it over in their mind and gives it a second thought. And the judges will tell the juries that can last for weeks, for days, for hours, for minutes, or it can be accomplished in a matter of just a few seconds. 
So premeditation and deliberation can happen within a 10 second span, give or take. What I see on that tape was an intentional execution. They really put effort into depriving George Floyd of oxygen for a long enough period of time to end his life. And as you were mentioning, with every minute that goes by, it's less likely he can be revived. Well, they kept him in that position for more than nine minutes, basically guaranteeing he couldn't be revived. What I see on tape could be argued and could have been charged as a first degree murder. I understand for tactical reasons why they opted not to do that. The second degree murder charge carries a maximum penalty of 40 years in prison under Minnesota law. Maybe that's what they're shooting for. And I get it because you don't want to overplay your hand, even if you think you do have the evidence, because you can turn the jury against you. It can look like you're being heavy handed or or you're overreaching. What I see was a first degree murder. And is that the same? um, That's the D.C. requirements. Is it the same in Minnesota? I, I don't know precisely the Minnesota jury instructions, and that's what it all boils down to, because it's the jury instructions that will implement the elements of the crime that we see in the statute. So I've paid more attention to the second degree, third degree murder and second degree manslaughter that's charged in this case. Yeah. And, you know, as we've been saying, um, something particular to Minnesota, other states have this as well, is that the knee on the neck the asphyxial death doesn't have to be the only cause of death. It just has to be the most likely, the the 50.1% cause of death, uh, if that if that kind of makes any sense. I was really interested uh, that the prosecution didn't go over that in opening statements, um, but we have heard it now repeated several times, you know, the likely cause of death. Uh, and I, th- I think that that's probably going to play an important role as we start hearing what's going to go on with the medical examiners. Yeah, basically, your con- to cause the death of another, your conduct has to be a substantial factor in bringing about the death. And you're going to hear, I predict, the prosecution say, now, wait a minute. First of all, you saw George Floyd alive, right? He wasn't falling down. He wasn't unable to communicate. He may have been feeling good. He had some drugs in his system. They weren't lethal quantities of drugs. The defense will try to spin it otherwise, but they were not lethal quantities of drugs. And ladies and gentlemen, do you think if Derek Chauvin and his cohorts hadn't put that nine minutes of pressure on Mr. Floyd snuffing his life out, that Mr. Floyd would have dropped dead at that moment? No, he'd still be home enjoying his family and playing football, which he loved so much. So let's set this nonsense aside that it was drugs or heart disease. Yeah, that's my the main thing that I've you know been saying is like you would have to prove that George Floyd would have died at that exact moment were it not for the actions of Derek Chauvin and, and the other officers, which just makes no sense whatsoever. Even if they argue that rush of adrenaline um, that was caused by the officers during unlawful restraint, which is important. So if you are lawfully restraining somebody and they have an adrenaline rush that causes the electrical circuit that moderates their heartbeat to shut down and they die, well, it's a product of lawful restraint. So you probably haven't committed a crime. This is not lawful restraint. We see it with our own eyes. And we've now had four or five police officers tell us not that it was unlawful, but that it violated policy, which takes us a giant step in favor of unlawful. So, you know, I don't I don't think the defense has anywhere to go. 
as long as they don't pick off one juror who, for whatever reason, is not persuaded by the evidence, which means the case would be a hung jury and they'd have to try it all over again. That's always my concern that there's one, you know, stray juror who, for whatever reason, doesn't want to vote to convict. But barring that, this should absolutely be a conviction. Yeah, I hope so. Um, it's, it's what it should be. I wanted to ask you before I let you go, Glenn, tell us about the Democracy Pledge. What are you doing? What's that? So, yeah, we, we launched the Democracy Pledge a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And, you know, we, we got this idea. And this is all about grassroots citizen involvement. This is not a, a fundraising endeavor or a money-making endeavor. It's just a democracy-making endeavor. What we're trying to do is get companies on the record. Not just big companies, but actually we're going nationwide. And we want small companies and small businesses to just c come to the website. It's thedpledge.com, www.thedpledge.com for democracy. And you can sign up and you can basically affirm that the, that the election results were free and fair. It wasn't rigged, right? You can, uh, you can stand against voter suppression laws. Basically, we ask companies to affirm their support for a free, fair, and healthy American democracy. And if they're willing to take the pledge, and it doesn't have to be exactly our words, every period, every comma, some, some companies have said, can we give you some alternate language that you know it, it makes our company comfortable to give to pledge it this way? Absolutely. We're not trying to be jerks. And so if they take if they take the pledge, we put their company name, their logo, click on the logo, you go right to their website and consumer dollars will hopefully head to their company. We want to do this for the large companies. It's funny because when we did a soft launch, we haven't even approached any companies. It's like a hundred companies are like, we want in and they've already signed up. We're well over a hundred and we haven't really started yet. So think about this. Yes, we're going to go after the big companies, but if you have two landscaping shops in your town, one supports democracy and the other doesn't, where do you want to go to get your, your lawn cut? right? Or where do you want to go to get your, your dog groomed? Or where do you want to go to buy your auto parts, right? Let's go to the place that supports democracy. So we want the bigger companies and we're approaching them, um, but we want the grassroots stuff. And the, so two places you can find us on, um, uh, on what is it? The internet, the interwebs, whatever they call it on the computer. <laughs> it's www.thedpledge.com. Uh, and on Twitter, it's just at the D pledge. And that'll give you more information about it. Just come along for the ride and support democracy. Would love to. We'll do today. Uh, Glenn Kirshner, thank you very much. You also host Justice Matters. Everybody check that out. And you can follow Glenn on Twitter at Glenn Kirshner 2 I believe. And uh, it's a good follow because you, you really stay uh, up to date on what's going on with the, the Derek Chauvin trial for the, in the murder with the murder of George Floyd. Um, I've been following and it's been really, really incredible information. So thank you so much, Glenn Kirshner. Have a great day. You too. Great talking with you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. Early on the podcast, I talked about my trouble sleeping and how Helix solved all my problems. Well, I have great news. And Helix has gone to start Allform. They bring beautiful, customizable furniture to the rest of your home. Allform crafts the most gorgeous, high-quality sofas and chairs made to your specifications, and they deliver it directly with fast-free shipping. You customize your own sofa, you pick the premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. With Allform, you can pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, so it's great for people with pets. You pick the color, the, cust you know, the leg finish, the sofa size, the shape, and you make sure it's perfect for you and your home. I got a three-seater sofa. I customized it with whiskey color, color 
colored leather and a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge on the side. Came in a couple days and I put it together myself and I'm crazy about it. It's roomy and modern and comfy and I especially love that it was designed just for my specifications. Normally, if you want to order a new sofa, it could take weeks or months to arrive and you need someone to assemble it in your home. But Allform takes just three to seven days, comes in the mail. You can put it yourself together with no tools. Allform has gorgeous armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals. So there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and buy more later if you, you know, get it, go into a bigger house or your family grows. And best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. And they have a forever warranty. Literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Joining me for the good news today, since Dana is out, is Mandy Reader. Hey, Amanda, how is things? I'm very well, and thanks again for inviting me today. This was a, a nice little celebratory thing to do on the day of my second vaccine dose. Yay, us. Yay. I'm so excited. and It's good to talk to you, too. Um, now... Let's see. First up here, I've got a submission. By the way, if you have any confessions or corrections or good news, or we have a, a game we play now called What the Mutt, where you send in your um, your dogs and we do your you know your mixed breed dogs, and we try to guess what breeds they are, and then we do misheard song lyrics. We have all sorts of stuff. If you want to start a new game, you can give us an idea. Just send everything to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. So first up, we have Thea, pronouns she and her. I have a misheard song lyric. Requiem for a Dinosaur. <laughs> when the album Float came out, I thought Flogging Molly had released an album similar to They Might Be Giants, Here Comes Science. It was I was slightly disappointed, but it made more sense as Requiem for a Dying Sun. Every once in a while, I'll still catch myself singing about dinosaurs. Now, I have a note from our producer here. It's actually Requiem for a Dying Song. So... Double misheard song lyric. Now, pod pet tax, Kenobi, our super patient 12-year-old pandemic office mate. He's endured several stress walks daily and is working overtime as a lap dog. So thanks for all your work. Look at the baby. (gasps) Really? The sunglasses. Oh, my gosh. He is so stylish. (laughs) Doggles, right? Mm. That's a pretty coloring. That's a cool dog. Oh, we can guess. It looks like we can guess what... uh, what uh, Kenobi is here? What mixes do you see? Um, hmm. Looks kind of husky. He does look a little husky. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe some like cattle dog or something. Yeah, right. Like one of those Australian cattle dogs mm-hmm. or um, like Mike from Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Let's see what we've got here. We've got 25% German Shepherd dog, 12% Malamute. Oh, what I thought was a mm-hmm. husky is a Malamute. 12.5% Chow Chow, 12.5% Collie, and there you go, Australian Cattle Dog, 12.5%. I was right. So you got one more than I did. Spend a lot of time looking at dogs on Instagram, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's I want true. to adopt every dog. I just want to adopt all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like Zillow and the San Diego Humane Society are like your main thing. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to go ahead and read the next one? Uh, yes. Uh, the next one is from Tyler, pronouns he, him, and he says, Hello, Beans Queens. I have an entry for What the Mutt for you. Ramsey, uh, now commonly referred to as Ramhole and Monster Truck, was found when he was about... <laughs> Ramhole. <laughs> also, Monster Truck, what great nicknames for your dog. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, Ramsey was found when he was about a year and a half old in a vacant lot by a woman who runs a dog rescue. He was very friendly and excited to see her, but was also a little worse for wear having a broken tail and half hairless. Oof, poor boy. Over the course of several months, she nursed him back to full health and listed him as a Beagle Terrier mix. After her husband said, no, we can't actually keep another dog. <laughs> this would be my life if Joelle would let me run a dog rescue in our house. Um, Ramsey was supposed to be my wife's dog, but he had other ideas. While he loves my wife, he is stuck to me like glue and always makes sure his beloved father is not accosted by some crazed mail carrier or UPS driver. He is super sweet, loves kids, and is a very loyal, albeit rambunctious companion. So glad we have him. I was always curious if the Beagle Sash Terrier mix listing was correct. Your What the Mutt segment gave me the nudge I needed to finally get his DNA analyzed and find out once and for all. What do you think? Also, I have a confession to make. While I am not the sinner in this situation, it is shameful nonetheless. I can't help it. I was raised Catholic. As a former treasurer, vice president, and president of the Iowa State University Democrats, we should talk about the Iowa caucuses sometime. <laughs> you can imagine my dismay when my grandfather formed me that Kellyanne Conway, yes, that Kellyanne Conway is in fact my second cousin. <gasps> Thinking he must be wrong, I did some digging and fuck, he was right. I've been holding on to this unbearable shame since 2016 and need to come to terms with it, hopefully with your help. Do I simply refuse to acknowledge this misfortune? Do I forever hang my head in shame? Please, Heavenly Bean Sisters, can you help me? <laughs> Oh my God, that is wow! I don't even, I don't know. I don't think there's anything I can do. Uh, I mean, if your what the mutt DNA says you're part Kellyanne Conway, I mean, that has to make you feel pretty shitty. Oof. Oh, Ramsey. Oh, and some kitties. Boxer. I see boxer. I see boxer too. Chihuahua. I see beagle. I definitely see beagle in there, or some sort of uh, hound dog, maybe a red uh, coon hound or something. But there's a hound. All right. But there's hound in there. All right. Let's see what we got. It was not a beagle terrier at all. <laughs> Pitbull, Australian Shepherd, Dachshund, and Boxer. I got the Boxer part. You totally did. missed the Pitbull, Aussie, and Dachshund. That's so. What a cutie, though. Love it. And it's funny. Boxer is the smallest mix, as um, the smallest amount. But he looks so boxery. Oh, well. All right. Next up from anonymous pronoun she and her. I have some good news and a what the mutt entry. Good news. My state, Colorado, opened up vaccines to all residents over the age of 16 last weekend, and I was able to almost immediately get my partner in for an appointment. I was vaccinated a while back as an essential employee in education, which leads to the second bit of good news. After years of working in and around public schools and being uh, consistently fed up with the bureaucracy and bullshit that allow racism to thrive in education, I finally applied to... Uh, to a PhD in educational leadership and policy, more than a little inspired by Dr. Biden. I got in and I start this fall. Pet tax, what the mutt? Both from rescues. We have a pretty good idea what Lulu, the black, white, and gray one is. Sunny is the tan and black dog. Minerva is the cat who is mad that Sunny stole her bed. <laughs> All right, let's see. Oh, yeah, there's healer and cattle dog in there. What a honey in the snow. So cute. So soft, too. The other one? Oh, my God. Look at that guy. So cute. I don't even know. I... He's tan. He's got the black markings. Kind of looks like he's got lab and boxer. Uh, but I don't know what those, those markings are, are. Unless it's German Shepherd. Uh, well, let's see what we've got. Oh, oh Sunny, the tan maybe is uh, Great Dane or Mastiff. Uh, okay, Blue Healer Aussie. Got that. Sunny, tan and black. 
Either a Great Dane or Mastiff, probably pit bull or boxer. Otherwise, he could be a black mouth cur. I didn't even know that was a dog. These are the vet's best guesses anyway. Well, thank you. Either way, just adorable. Love. Just so cute. So cute. All right. The next one is from no name, but it says she, her. And it says, our governor in Arkansas has vocally vetoed the trans youth health exclusions bill, which we just talked about, which is good news-ish, although the legislature has the numbers to override the veto, which, of course, they are planning to do. It may be overridden, but I think he could have quietly vetoed it and let it be overridden if he just wanted it off his record. I'm glad he actually tried to send the message that this isn't conservatism. He held a press conference emphasizing that this is governmental overreach, the opposite of conservative small government, and I hope his message is received by enough quote-unquote real conservatives. He asked the conservatives in the legislature to reconsider. I don't have high expectations, but I have a sliver of hope. For my pet tax, here are my two dogs having completely opposite reactions to the unusual amount of snow we got earlier this year. <laughs> Luna, the big dog, hated it. Doodle, the small one, loved it. Breeds are below in case you want to guess first. Oh, that's definitely Pitbull. Oh, yeah, and yes. Dachshund in there. <gasps> Doodle is a product of a doxy with a lab, and Luna is a boxer hound, Yay. per the shelter, but... Very large hound because she's bigger than the boxer we had before. Oh, look at the little baby. So cute. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on this. But here's my only problem with Asa Hutchinson. He he didn't veto the bill because it's fucking evil. He, he vetoed it because it was government overreach. You know, mm-hmm. he's fine with the other transgender bills the you know, that he's anti-trans bills that he signed. This one just went a little too far. It's a little too big government. He, it didn't have anything to do with the fact that he gives a shit about transgender people. Um, it's a purely a, a small, big, small government, government overreach thing that grosses me out kind of even more. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I have no problem with taking the rights away from transgender kids, it's just that it's a little too overreachy, although I'm sure he's all for, you know, um, abortion ban bills and stuff like that. (sighs) Giant side. Whatever, fuckers. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) next up from she, her. As you read this, I am now an official user experience design graduate of Prime Digital Academy out of Minneapolis. Yay. I've been working hard the last five months for over 70 hours a week, so whoo. I've been delighted with the amazing support of my fellow students and instructors who are all dedicated to our overall growth, not only as new practitioners of user experience design, but full, well-rounded humans. I want to thank you, Beans Queens, for keeping me informed while I managed life in school. Next step, finding a job. Joy! (laughs) So many of your good news listeners inspired me to take this leap of faith to start my new career, so I wanted to return the favor. If anyone listening needs a sign to start something new in your life, this is it. Please enjoy trying to guess my puppy Nico's breed for the pod tax. Yes, she's named after Nico Case. Awesome. Hint, the adoption agency told us she was some sort of shepherd mix after doing a DNA test that is entirely not her breed. I included photos of her at three months old and a few months later when her ears popped up. She also has a faux brindle coat. (gasps) Oh, my God. Nico Case is wearing uh, rainbow fairy wings. (laughs) They're little popped up ears. Yes. (gasps) Oh, the ears. Are you sure this is not a German Shepherd? With this ears? Oh my gosh! All right, let's see. Hmm. I'm seeing some pit bull. You see a little pity? Yeah, uh, maybe a. I do uh, see a little pit bull maybe, in her face. Yeah, especially with that beautiful brindle. But where do those ears come from? Malamute Jindo Lab pit bull mix. Okay. Mm, all right. You got the pit bull. I did. That's the only one, though. Either way, so adorable. Next up is from AJ in Portland. 
And AJ says, I confess I was experiencing COVID vaccine envy, but this week the eligibility criteria was expanded, and yesterday I finally received my first shot. I'm so relieved. Bye-bye COVID inoculation bitterness and vacation postponement blues, and hello, good news. I'll now be able to visit my sisters late this spring. I have heard... I have a misheard lyric involving our Pledge of Allegiance. I thought we were one nation under God invisible. I thought it was odd, but decided it meant the nation, the idea of a nation was conceptual, thus invisible. (laughs) One nation under God invisible. (laughs) Pretty deep thinking for a six-year-old. That's so great. (laughs) I thought it was odd, but decided it meant that the idea of a nation was conceptual, thus invisible. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, at, at six years old, oh that's pretty. God. That's pretty meta. That is so funny. <laughs> I've attached a photo of my sisters and the wildlife um, in the backyard: Flamenco the flamingo, Frank and Rex, their pal, <laughs> and their pal Spooky the feral cat, and a pygmy possum, survivor of the horrific bushfires in Australia. Thank you for the news, the humor, the snark, and the swearing. If it's true that swearing is a sign of intelligence, that makes <laughs> that makes the beans and me fucking geniuses. Hell yeah. Oh, what a beautiful backyard. So nice. Aww, oh, oh look at the pygmy possum. So <gasps> cute. How oh, cute. Oh, thank you for these submissions. Again, if you, anyone has any um, submissions uh, you want to send us, any anything at all, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Mandy, thanks so much for joining me today. I really, It was really great to talk to you again. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, it was really great talking to you too, AG. Just... Um, Make sure you are helping people out who might need like childcare so they can get vaccinated or like a drive to vaccinations or tech help or whatever. Let's all get vaccinated. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And everybody until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Mandy Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye Oh my God, AGI. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog died dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with <laughs> appliques on it. You're like, what? Keeps the rain like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. 
There you go. No. Although, were they talk? What was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my uh, god! The best I can I, lo get I love them. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.